Hello, you're listening to the first audio episode of Better Worlds, the Verge's science fiction project about hope. Today's short story is called Online Reunion and is written by Lee Alexander. It follows a young journalist who gets more than she expected covering an EPET reunion. And without further ado, this is Online Reunion. Jean sat upright in a panic, half-drowned in a tidal wave of mental noise. Surfacing desperately from sleep, she struggled to reconstitute the details of who, where, when she was. There was a distinct, unnatural yawning of time, the slow pound of her heart. As the dim details of her apartment finally clarified, she calmed. She also clarified the dim notion of herself, washed up on the damp side of the bed. She had fallen asleep with her hand device attached for the second time this week. She told herself it was because of Feline. What if Feline came in the dead of night, suddenly regretful, messaging and messaging from the apartment foyer with all her suitcases like she had that once? Feline could change her mind and change it back, and if Jean was not awake in between, the chance would be lost. Awake and present now, she read and reread their most recent messages, still feeling sick from the device, searching inside herself for a feeling, any feeling. Any feeling, one of Feline's messages had demanded. Of course, there was none, except the vague guilt of knowing that all of this, the neglected apartment, the bed that was never made, the sickness itself, was part of why Feline was gone. A grim resolution flickered inside Jean, and she got to her feet carefully, treading the familiar rut from her bed to the big display. Going to work, she would joke, when there was an audience. Jean! Sarah Paris' face filled the display as the call connected. How you feeling? Great. You've been asking me every day. I'm great. I've got pitches. Jean the machine! I gotta say, right now I'm looking for some bullshit that's gonna make everybody cry at the end. Real tears. Imagine the advertisers reading adrenal results. That level of tears. I don't know if that's really your area, though. She abruptly remembered a bad day by the sea. Feline walking far ahead along the boardwalk, arm in arm with the Jamies, animated by a suspicious lightness, ominously framed by a perfect sunset. I can do one like that. Listen to this. Got a lady in her 70s who lives in a minicon and takes care of virtual pets. Pets? Why do I give a rat? These are vintage virtual pets. Remember that service called Petzer? She waited while he fisted his eyes, murmuring Petzer to himself, as if articulating a search term. This woman in her 70s, she's applying for a special instance permit because she thinks she's going to meet her dead husband in this old virtual pet world from decades ago. Jean sent the image to Sarah Pear with the immediacy of reflex. A 74-year-old woman named Kendall Marchenstamp had made six different applications to the neutrality office, asking to run an instance of a defunct platform called Petzer through the extranet at her minicon. The numerous rejections had flagged Jean's attention. All I see here is that she wants to research some old pets game. She's an academic. Where'd you get the dead husband thing? 
I got clearance on her entire footprint. Husband died in the war when she was 24. Looks like she started taking care of his virtual pet around then, and she's been doing it ever since. So what, kid? Sarah Pear liked Gene the most, but he still had several other content creators to talk to after her. So, this application coincides with the anniversary of the husband's death. My bet is she's grieving, and she'll do the piece because she knows we can get her the permit. And then I'll make it work. People love these corny virtual ghost stories. Remember that one with the kid whose mom's car was still racing after she died? Yeah, but academics suck the life out of a story. It was one of his adages. He muttered to himself, Virtual ghost, virtual pet, virtual ghost, virtual pet. He tested it, biting off each consonant. Then he shook his head. I'm not feeling anything, nah. Jean's gut rolled suddenly, and an abstract icon of a clock blinked red on her hand device. But she sat still, letting the front of her mind be jerked forward, as if through a door someone else had failed to lock. Please just trust me. You know I can dredge up some sad dead husband shit. Imagine the tie-ins you can start pitching to the marketeers. The neutrality office will definitely fast-track March and Stamp's permit. She's totally gonna cry. We'll video it. 100% cry. You'll see. Sarah Pear sized her up anew, as if they hadn't in fact worked together for over 10 years. Of course. I trust you. He sighed in a tone which meant that, against all odds, he'd take the story. You are the Gene Genie. Thanks, Chief, she said, betraying nothing. But just as they were disconnecting, Sarah Pear spoke. One more thing, Gene. Take it slow. It dawned that Sarah Pear had taken pity on her. How long had he been feeling sorry for her about the stupid time sickness? For a moment, rage throttled her capacity to think clearly. When at last it ebbed, she couldn't say whether she had been sitting furiously at the display for 10 minutes or 10 days. Gene the machine. She messaged Feline about the assignment, although Feline never showed more than a superficial interest in the details of her work. Jean prized little shrieks, hand claps, bursts of emotion from Feline where she could, like coins out of an unpredictable well. Feline's reply read, Good luck with the interview! It was almost enough. That was how bright and golden Feline was and how raw and alien Jean always felt beside her, like an eldritch root unearthed by accident. Jean often found herself invisible at the edge of Feline's circle of admirers, watching for truths in her face as if for a rare bird. No longer, Jean pledged. This March and Stamp story would surely be made into a show. Everyone would be at Jean's apartment. The damn Jamies would sit eagerly on the floor in front of the display, their upturned faces illuminated and impressed, and Feline would be wearing her powder blue velvet, making drinks and smiling her golden smile. Jean cleaned the apartment and reset her recovery app. If she accessed her hand device in the next, she tilted her palm to check it, four hours and 37 minutes, the app would know. She took mindfulness breaths all during the cab ride. March and Stamp's Minicon was one of several public housing blocks owned by 1010 Corp, along an awkward route just outside her district. 
Tenten was exceptionally strict, and there was no chance of the old lady getting her instance permit without this kind of collaboration between the media and the neutrality office. You found it! Margin Stamp flung the door open. A wave of sensory stimuli surged out amid the egg carton uniformity of the minicon complex, surprising Jean with the urge to flee. But the old lady, wiry and hunched, was already waving her in. Her hands were oddly soft, and Jean prayed she would not be offered any unfamiliar foods. Thanks for agreeing to the interview, Mrs. Marchinstamp. Jean was dazed in the claustrophobic entryway. The space was full of edges, teeming with pre-war junk of all kinds. We're working on getting your expedited permissions down from the N.O. Marchinstamp frowned, though it was unclear at what, and Jean felt a sudden wave of irritation. Had the wild-haired Miss Marchinstamp lost her marbles with grief, tottering around this shrine with her virtual pets? But then the old lady smiled brightly. Wonderful. Come and sit down. In the living area loomed a plump velvet sofa the color of a lung. Its size alone predated the minicon days, and the very idea of sitting on it was horrifying. On the wall, Jean spotted a portrait of a uniformed man she took to be the dead husband, plus a wedding picture of the two of them. She found the latter particularly grotesque, one of those white dresses and everything. There was also something unknown yet familiar, a little wooden house on the wall with what looked like a clock on the front. Above the clock, the doors were shut. It's a cuckoo clock. A vague understanding stirred in Jean. When does the bird come out? It's a very old machine, so whenever it wants. Just like me. Jean felt the urge to ask if the cuckoo clock had to do with the dead husband. Already, she was longing to get this over with, unsettled by the feminine domesticity, the clutter. But March and Stamp kept talking, and as if it were nothing, said, They told me you're recovering from time sickness. Who did? Nothing on the hand device had given her away. Maybe we'll find out. Her back was turned as she washed two identical teacups at the kitchen sink. Don't worry, though, I'm not a skeptic. In fact, I did my dissertation on some brain markers in early digital citizens that may have helped form our knowledge base on time sickness. Did you go to a center, or are you using a program? Program. She nodded to her hand device curtly. She hadn't been expecting talk of dissertations, and it also irked her that Mrs. Marchinstamp saw her as someone who could afford a recovery center. But opening up was always advantageous in an interview. I'm down to six checks a day. That's good, hon. Mrs. Marchinstamp sounded genuine. Were you bad? She was so nosy. Jean was meant to be asking the questions, but told herself she had to tenderize the subject. At times, I was full immersive interface for days. She twirled her finger back and forth between her hand device and her temple, a weary loop that resembled an unhinged timepiece. Jeez. I'm doing better. Let's talk about why you want a permit in time for your anniversary. This is a preliminary interview, then I'll build the story around when you run your instance. Sound good? Are you the writer as well as the narrative designer? Jean said yes, but saw no reaction. So you know about Petzer? Yes. It standardized virtual pets across different services before the big data collapse, right? To protect them. But to say that the company led the standardization is somewhat untrue. The pets themselves wanted to avoid the collapse. Jean accepted the tea in silent panic, looking around the living room. There were hardware objects that looked like they should be in a museum, gathering dust. It was the subject of my group's research at the time, how the pet's AI had mutated, voluntarily gathering metadata about their users, even outside of the service. 
For example, I knew my sister-in-law was ill, even before she knew, because my late husband's virtual pet told me. What? Jean's panic rose, imagining Sarah Pear's reaction to these quotes. The story would be thrown out. Unfortunately, there were a lot of disputes about how to credit the research. And we weren't just colleagues, we were all wonderful girlfriends as well, so plenty of bitterness went around. I'm sure you're familiar with how things go in the institution. Words were said, both online and off. What I mean to say is I'm hardly proud of how I conducted myself personally. Since then, the years just got away, we lost our sense of- Tell me about your husband. Her hand was poised in the air like a spider, ready to transcribe. You still have his virtual pet? Alfie? She sounded surprised, irritating Jean. Yes, he named it Cloud. Isn't that funny? Does caring for Alfie's virtual pet, Cloud, make you feel closer to him? Like you'll always have a piece of him there? Oh, not really. She frowned. He made the account, but he'd never really played it before he went away. I don't think he cared about poor Cloud. Don't you want to sit down? He went to the war, didn't he? She felt creeping nausea, no doubt caused by the smell of the old upholstery, and it made her careless. Do you believe some part of his consciousness can return for an anniversary visit if you get this permit? Mrs. Marchenstamp's expression was veiled by the teacup, but the silvery eyes then fixed on Jean shrewdly. She was much smarter than Jean had guessed, and the misjudgment would now cost. A virtual reunion. What a tearjerker of a story that would be. Is that the angle we're doing? Does the NO determine that? Of course, I haven't decided on the angle yet. That's wonderful to hear. Then she went to get more tea, even though Jean hadn't touched hers. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. Fuming, Jean went to a bar after the interview to wait out the timer until her next device check. The transcript was a mess. Worthless rambling about ancient metadata surfacing in systems like dreams. The notion of a digital collective unconscious readable by self-directed learning algorithms, especially those created to identify and anticipate individuals in megadata streams. There was a lot about scale, which according to March and Stamp, was part of why society had been so blindsided by the onset of time sickness, so unprepared to treat it, since we had never tested the ability of the human processing center at scale, or something. Jean had stopped transcribing at that point. The note's file name, Reunion, represented a frustrated wish. During all this, Mrs. Martin Stamp had repeatedly waggled her hands at Jean, enthusiastically announcing, now here it is, now here's your story. The robot butler juddered down the bar toward her. What's your poison, Mac? This particular bar was part of an aging retro-futurist theme chain called Cyberpunk 20XX. It was embarrassing, but there was nowhere else in 1010 to sit and drink. It was late afternoon, and the place was full of young people waiting to play games. Years ago, Feline probably would have been among them, constantly chasing yet more goddamn affection. Jean ordered one of the fountain sodas. 
Her attention was finally submerged in the stimulating relief of her hand device. It felt like it had been months since last she checked it, her attention spangling toward every horizon. Did that dazzling feeling ever go away, even if you got all your checking and microtasking behaviors completely under control? The robot butler, wearing a red pinstripe waistcoat over its garbage can body, brought the drink, and Jean read her messages. Sarah Pear had already gotten the NO permission for March and Stamps instance, and Sovereign Sensitive Data was already signed on for an ad deal using the reunion footage. A middling content network had reached out about adapting the story. Apparently, other similarly timed applications for Petzer had come in, a mystery exciting enough that the NO had approved them all. Jean's image feed showed a series of pictures of Feline, currently at a water park with the beautiful shirtless Jamie's. Rainbows hung in the mist, they splashed at each other. Jean felt nothing. She messaged Feline, not expecting a reply. Were you ever into virtual pets? But the answer was instant. Don't you remember Jeannie on Club Pets? When I met you, I named Jeannie after you, kinda. A string of heart emojis followed. Jean's heart accelerated. She was chastened to remember no such thing, but pressed for details under the guise of professional curiosity. For the story. What did Feline remember about Jeannie, the virtual pet? Had she been excited to take care of Jeannie, as if nurturing a new love? Did she miss Jeannie? Would she like to have Jeannie again? Wouldn't that be a wonderful surprise? Feline replied, yes! Jean's scalp crawled enticingly, as if she could feel dendrites branching like hairs inside her skull. She was on the way to a new story, one that still fit the theme of reunion, that sovereign sensitive data could still build an ad campaign around, that the marketeers would lose their shit over. Instead of some budget stream, there could be a tie-in with a major dating show brand, like Tap Me or Hollow Knight. Feline, frolicking in all the social capital, would move back in, say wife again. How virtual pets saved my relationship, Jean whispered, tasting it. That'll be six Earth credits, Mac. When Jean returned to March and Stamps Minicon the following week, it was with two videographers from the ad agency, which was contracted to shoot, quote, moving and incredible clips for sovereign sensitive data and, quote, unbelievable, cute and retro clips for one of the stock footage firms that often bought into these opportunities. March and Stamps seemed to have dressed for the occasion. Her rangy, pewter hair rolled into twin dumplings to either side of her head. She grinned at Jean when she opened the door. Is there any way we could look for a specific pet from a particular service, like Club Pets? Oh, sure, sure, Af after the reunion. Margin Stamp waved her hands blithely at Jean and the crew, urging them all inside. To Jean's horror, the disgusting bride photo had been moved and now sat on the kitchen table next to a box of flowers. The death anniversary. Jean felt again like the world was pitched forward and that she could tumble straight through the house and into the giant velvet sofa, which would open like a mouth and eat her. You told me there was no reunion. Is that what I said? Well, you're the one with the transcript. As they picked their way through the living room toward the bedroom where the big display must be, Jean saw the dreaded sofa was no longer in its place. Through the open bedroom door beyond was a minimalist, impeccably modern space with a desk, a single bed, and a beautiful display which took up almost the whole of the wall. March and Stamp must have gotten money from Auntie when her husband died. The sofa now faced the display. Jean would have to sit on it. 
There's no regulation about playing a disconnected version, but today we'll let them play in the world. Thank you for your help on the NO permit, Gene. On the display, the pet world looked unexpectedly appealing, a cerulean and rose limbo showing all the voxel stress of its long-ago era. Balloon-like letters that spelled, Petzer, floated away as soon as Marchant Stamp sat down. In the pastel dimension before them, two little creatures were already on the screen. Sit down already, hun. You'll be able to see it all happen. The crunch of old velvet against Jean's leggings was sickening. She pressed her tongue to her teeth to try to dispel the sensation, but the shudder only grew. When she stole a glance to see if March and Stamp had noticed, she found the old lady looking at her hand device. Jean jerked it away reflexively, and they both quickly cut their eyes to the display. Which one is Cloud? She sat stiffly, as if afraid to be swallowed. March and Stamp gave no answer. She was doing inexplicable things with the two pets, hovering, checking, clearing, wittering. The emotive way Martin Stamp often waggled her hands had been defined in this space, Jean realized. That could be good for the story. When we met, uh, my girlfriend and I raised a virtual pet together. I know that. My girlfriend. She must not have heard. How could she know? But Marchant Stamp only smiled that keen smile, no interruption in the strange and tiny obeisances she was making to the display. Shall we see now who's coming to join us? The ghost, Jean thought, feeling a thrill of hope. Here it comes, the story. Jean's device hand floated up from the virulent sofa, prepared, and she glanced over her shoulder to be sure the ad agency kids were still filming. A text window that read, Kendall March, host, appeared. Then there was a tinny, machine-like sound effect of a door opening, and a garish collage of unnatural creatures proliferated on the screen, one after the other, as if someone were pounding an ancient stamp. The text window filled with lines like, Hira Sword 09218 has signed on. Count Wokula has signed on. Doc Holly 22 has signed on. MX Mystery Zero has signed on. XX Sephiroth XX has signed on. It works! A tear flashed effortlessly over the downy, powdery cheek, and then another one. All my friends are online at the same time, for the first time since- What friends? Weren't you listening in the interview? This is the day we apologized to each other. Marjan Stam's face was fixed in a warm, conversational expression, aimed at someone other than Jean. In a sense, she was gone from the room. The pest decided to bring us all back together, which, funnily enough, proves which of us was right. Some of these citations, however, we must discuss. Jean's throat and tongue felt furred with velvet spores. Head ached. A red clock symbol appeared on her hand device. The two film lackeys continued to shoot impassively, filling the doorway behind her. I can't do a story about how virtual pets from 50 years ago use metadata to read minds and solve conflicts. That's not the story. I can't do anything with this. I need you to look for- Of course you can. Don't you know? Someone's come here to see you too. The other pets moved aside. A strange creature was there, like a squirt of aquamarine foam with rabbit ears, floating in place, looking at Jean. There was life in the shiny black eyes, and Jean felt a sharp tug in the front of her mind, as if all along the pet had been generating the gravitational pull, threatening to crush her in this house. Cold fear of March and Stamp dawned like divine awe. Jean looked at the pet and suddenly knew what it came to express, just as she knew, with a certainty that seemed impossible, 
that the cartoon nameplate that appeared when she hovered over it would say Jeannie. She knew suddenly that Feline was never coming back, and she knew she was not doing better after all. From the living room came the sound of a mechanism, a synthetic bird slamming through the shutters of its clock, whistling madly. Jean's hand ached sharply. Isn't it magic? They're such smart machines. They just know. The certainty was so fresh, so rare. It had been so long since Jean had felt such a thing. Marchenstam calmly turned away from her display to face Jean on the velvet sofa. Don't you find it beautiful to have this way of knowing? I I don't want to know. You can get well. She took Jean's device hand in both of hers. But data is full of mysteries, and you have to invite the truth in. Smiling pets drifted around the display. Jean watched them, stricken with nostalgia for something she could not understand or remember, something that had nothing to do with Feline at all. There. Let's just take this off you for a bit. She spoke with a gentleness that ached, a softness Jean was not strong enough now to reject. Jean felt her hand device disengaging, and then the old woman holding her hand tenderly, rubbing with her thumb the aching pinprick where the interface entered the vein. Jean began to cry, and cry, and cry. There you go. There's your story. This audio story is part of Better Worlds, a series of 10 original science fiction stories, five audio adaptations, and five animated videos about hope. You can find the rest at theverge.com. Online Reunion was written by Lee Alexander and edited by Laura Hudson. The story was adapted for audio by Gautam Shrikishan and Zachary Mack. Voice acting by Nishath Kurwa, Addie Robertson, Zachary Mack, and Gautam Shrikishan. Original music and sound design by Gautam Shrikishan. Art direction by William Joel. Thanks for listening to Better Worlds.